Thank you for joining our podcast here at Peninsula Covenant Church. Stay tuned as together we will study God's Word. How many could declare that today? It is well with my soul. Amen. How many of you can declare that you have had a terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day? <laughs> a couple, a couple of applauses there too, right? Sometimes there's lament and sometimes there's praise and it's part of this life that we get to walk together. I'm Scott Kirksey. I'm one of your pastors on staff. I am thrilled to be with you here today, both in-house and online. Uh, I love that you're joining with us online from wherever you are, and I am so stoked that this room is full of people praising the Lord, acknowledging that the wind and the waves, they still know his name. Yours too, right? Okay, so I want to tell you, even in this last week, uh, I just dropped my youngest off at college for the first time. Yeah, that's got some feels to it. And I think even too, uh, what I realize is that sometimes in these big moments in our lives when we are going through like a milestone moment, I have a, I have a, I, I kind of reminisce. And maybe you do this too. It's kind of like this idea of like, I could picture my kid now like, oh my gosh, you're going to college. And I can picture her younger and younger and younger, all the stages, these like snapshots in my mind of the times I remember of her growing up. And I was thinking about this, even too, going back to the day, I remember the day we realized that we were pregnant with Clara. And uh, I remember that day because it was so wild. We'd gone rock climbing that day. We'd gone indoor rock climbing, not knowing my wife was pregnant at all. It was that evening that we discovered it. But as I was thinking about this passage that we're going to be in today, and I was thinking about rock climbing, and if, if you raise your hand if you've ever rock climbed or done indoor rock climbing, right? It's pretty exciting. Now, remember the moment when you learned how to lean into the harness for the first time, when you decided that it was going to be okay to let go of the handholds and to lean back for the first time. Now, for me and my wife, I remember she was, you know, I'm a little more of the adventurer in the family. She was going along with this, and I remember her going, Looking down and going, oh my gosh, you've got me, right? Like, you got me, you're paying attention, you see what's going on? To make sure I wasn't chatting with somebody else, which was very a thing I would do. Um, but to know that if she let go of the handholds, that she would be okay. That she wouldn't fall. That she'd be safe. You've got me, right? You see me, Right? And so now, even as a parent, and I'm launching my child off to school, it felt a little bit like I was the one holding the rope for her for a long time. And now I was kind of handing that rope to the Lord, going, she's really far away from me now. Like, you got her, right? Like, you see her? You, you're, you're, you got this? And it's not like the Lord was ever not seeing her. It's not like he didn't have her all along. But there was a sense of that... Um, just that distance that I wouldn't be there to catch her so immediately. And I needed the Lord to do that. And I was counting on him to do that. So as we go through this series, we've been in finding the way, Psalm 119. There's parts of this journey that have been a little bit more smoother road where you find praise. There's moments that has been maybe a little bit of a steeper climb, maybe even grabbing onto handholds as you climb, finding your way 
And today we're going to be looking at what is it like to just lean away from the wall for the first time, maybe for you. What is it like to lean in to that trust, asking God, you see me, right? You've got me, right? Some days, as Alexander had, are terrible, horrible, no good, and very bad days. And I had to write that down because I knew I was going to butcher it. Um, But even thinking about that, it's like some days we lean on the Lord more than others. Well, today we're in verses 153 to 168. If you do not have a psalm card and you need one, would you raise your hand? Someone will come and bring you one. There's one right over there. One couple in the back over here. Just keep your hand up. Someone will bring you a card. So if you're new with us today, what we've been doing as we go through this psalm, we've been taking blocks of time to look at this individually on our own to reflect on this section of scripture. And we've been typically taking five minutes. And so I'm going to give you five minutes here in just a moment. Marty's going to play in the background. But today I'm going to actually only give you four minutes because I want to save that minute for later. And you'll see why in a little bit. But I'm going to give you four minutes to highlight, circle, write on your card. What is it saying to you? What is it speaking to you? What is God saying? Uh, And then I'm going to ask for you to just share your thoughts of reflection. So go ahead and take those four minutes. You're welcome to take notes. But do one one thing. Save a little bit of space on your card. I'm going to ask you to write two words on your card later on.
Hey, I'd like to hear from you. What did, what did you notice? What did you circle? What, did, what stood out to you? Which, even just call out a number verse if that's, if that's what stood out to you. A highlight. Anyone? Kathy? Your compassion, Lord, is great. God preserves. One sixty five. Great peace have those who love your law, and nothing can make them stumble. Great peace sounds pretty good. Your words are true, Glenn. One more time. Your sixteen times. That's a great point. He keeps pointing to the Lord. I love that. Super cool. Thank you for your words. Thank you for sharing on that. One of the things I noticed, did you hear how often he talks about the trouble that he's in? Name one word out of there that speaks to the trouble. Persecution, suffering, wicked, yeah, he's got foes, what did I hear? Say it again. They didn't obey your word, yep. He's got worry about his life, he's got falsehoods around him, he's got foes, which we don't use a lot, I mean, anybody use foes this week? I didn't use foes. Um, first time right here. Um, but he's weak and worn in this text. He's actually, he has this half of what he's talking about as being, I'm in this place of trouble. And so I want to ask you, even too, as the psalmist is a model for the way he's writing a psalm, it's a song to the Lord, he's actually pouring out his heart to share his trouble, to share his worry, to share the things that are challenging, to share the things that are heavy to carry. So I want to ask you, and this is where we're going to take uh, that other minute, but what is the weight that you carry? What is, it, what is it that you want the Lord to see? What is it that you're holding on to that takes away your peace, that doesn't give you the rest of reclining into the harness, but that keeps you gripping Where do you want the Lord to see you? The first word of this whole card is look. So take a moment, and just on your card, I want you to write the word look. Anywhere at the bottom, the margin, wherever you find space. And then right near that word, I want you to write what is it that you're carrying that if you had an opportunity to say to the Lord directly, Lord, look, look at, look at this. And maybe it's a name of somebody, maybe it's your marriage, maybe it's your debt, maybe it's decisions that you need to make that you don't know the answers to. Maybe for the kids, maybe it's a bully. Maybe it's something at school that's hard. Whatever it is for you, right next to that word, I want you 
to write. Look, and then your word. And you know, I'm not going to ask you to share this. I'm not going to ask for that. Maybe very personal to you. Something that might be unfair, a place of pain, something you need to let go of. Now, as you look at your card, I want to invite you to pray one word to the Lord. The Lord is present here today. He is with you here today just to be able to pray one word and say, look. Lord, you've got me, right? You see me? This is where I need you. Three three times the psalmist uses the word according. If you caught that word, somebody mentioned the word preserve. Barb mentioned the word preserve. If you catch that even in there where he says, preserve my life. There are three points where he says preserve my life. It's in 154, it's in 156, it's in 159. He often speaks of how he loves and follows the Lord's precepts, laws, statutes, but when he asks the Lord to preserve his life, there's this according afterward. According to, according to, in accordance with. And he doesn't say, Lord, answer me according to the fact that I have been such an obedient Christian. And he doesn't say, Lord, Preserve my life according to how great of a a manager of my sin that I am. According to the good works that I do, the service that I do, how much I give, how much I offer. Instead, he calls on the identity and the character of God. Now, this quote from David Benner says, What a small God we would have if divine character was dependent on our behavior. And so the psalmist doesn't point to say, hey, because of my behavior, come through for me. That that is something we can get very stuck on. We come back to it. Oftentimes we come back to like, Lord, where were you when I needed you? Haven't I been good? But the truth is that the psalmist brings us back to is it isn't according to me. It's according to you and what I know of you. So if we look at verse 154, pointing to God's promises, he doesn't lean into his works for his rescue. Instead, he points to God's promises as the place of his trust. He says, God, I'm calling on you because of what you've already said for you to come through on your word. I'm counting on that. I'm counting on what you said. Even in verse 162, if you look at your card, it says, I rejoice in your promise, like one who finds great spoil. Spoil is another word I don't use that often. I I like to think that he's saying like one that hit the jackpot, like somebody who won the lotto is what I feel about your promise. In verse 156, the psalmist implores God to come through and preserve his life And he does so based on his laws. In other words, the covenant law, the covenant law that God proclaimed, if you could remember this even too from our Deuteronomy series, it was full of this idea that if you were obedient, you would live in blessing. 
If you were disobedient, you'd have a rough time. So we, as we try to reconcile, why are we having a rough time when I'm living obediently? He points to God's covenant laws. The psalmist suffers while living obediently, and he reconciles that by saying, Lord, answer me according to what you've said in your law. This covenant that we have together, this relationship of us being bonded to one another, that I am committed to you and you are committed to me. Answer me according to that. And then the third, according or in accordance with, we see the psalmist call on God to preserve his life, but this time it's according to your love. Because our God is love. The psalmist is asking God to come through because he is love, because he loves me, I can ask him. And this is what the psalmist is doing. So notice, he does not hold up his accomplishments as the reason why. He doesn't deserve the response. Instead, he points to God's identity, to God's character, and his commitment, his love, his compassion, These are the reasons I will be steadfast in my trial. He doesn't mention these things of how obedient he is because he thinks God God should be answering him. Instead, he mentions them to say, in the midst of my trial, I will still be obedient to you. This is how much I value you. Alistair Begg says this. He says, we are not saved by our good works, but by the man on the cross. Whatever you've written on your card, the psalmist shows us that we can lean into the harness and lean away from the handholds of trying to carry this weight on our own strength. Maybe you just hold that card up to say, Lord, you maybe even want to cover your word with your thumb when you do, because it's personal, to say, Lord, look, would you see me in this place? Can I lift this up to you based on your love for me? on the covenant relationship that we have with one another because you've promised to be with me. The psalmist knows this, and yet he's still enduring suffering. I had this thought recently about the account of the crucifixion where the thief is next to the Lord on the cross. And there's this moment where he says, you know, the thief says, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he says, truly, today you will be with me in paradise. And I thought of this kind of in a quirky way, and I thought, man, you know, just imagining this guy on the cross, and he's there, and he's you know, maybe just letting those words wash over him. Today you'll be with me in paradise. Today you'll be with me in paradise. To the point of maybe even opening one eye to see if he was actually there yet. But he's not. He's on a cross. Even though he's been rescued by the Lord. Suffering consistent even while he is saved. So many of Jesus' miracles are happening instantaneously. Like, whoa, the blind man can see all of a sudden. And maybe he was thinking there, like, is it going to happen right now? Well, maybe he meant later today. (laughs) Right? Right? Danielle Strickland says this. She says, following Jesus doesn't mean that all suffering will go away. It means that God's presence will be with you in the midst of it. There's another account in the New Testament where the disciples are in a boat during a storm and Jesus is taking a nap. 
And it's like they have their, if they had their own card, if they could write on the card, they'd be like, look, sinking boat, I need you. I need you to come through as the waves bash and bash and bash the boat. And the Lord wakes up to this chaos. He's like, you have little faith. Don't you know who you're with? Don't you know who it is that's in the boat with you? And I think about that in some sense, even too, if we think about it in a realistic sense, is like, should they have been napping? Like, that would have been really hard to do. I don't know if anybody, any of us could actually nap in a sinking boat. And yet, Jesus says, you have little faith. Why are you panicked? Why are you stressed? Why are you worried about it? Why is that weight on your card so heavy on your heart? How do you hold that? Now, it will require a supernatural trust, I believe, knowing the identity and the compassion of Jesus. The kind people ask about when there's a joy that you have through circumstances that should be eliciting, is that a word? Eliciting? A different response? Maybe the expected response isn't quite there, but you have this crazy joy, and they're like, what is that? How are you okay right now? How do you persevere amidst the trials? Hebrews 12 says this. It says, And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, for the joy set before him. He endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. So that you will not grow weary and lose heart. He endured the cross so that you would not lose hope. As I invite the worship team to come on up here, I'd like you to hear the passage. Um, This other verse out of the message translation, it's a verse out of Luke. Luke, 20, Luke 11, 28 through 30. I just felt like the message said it really well. It said, are you, are you tired? Worn out? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. And watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Just keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. For as much as we panic and we look to see, we call out for God to look, sometimes I imagine him to say the same word back. When I'm like, look at my problem. And he's like, look at me. Look at me. Come with me and I'll make your burden light. That I can lean into that harness and trust. That I can find rest, not because I am good, but because he is. Maybe today you've recognized that you need Jesus to help you with your weight, to help you with what's on your card. Maybe you don't know Jesus or haven't made an official kind of commitment to him to say that I want to walk with you. 
I need, I need that peace, that supernatural peace. I need that supernatural spirit to walk with me in my life to help me carry the things that are too heavy to carry. If that's you today, I would just encourage you, you can come and pray with me while the worship band plays this next song. You can come and pray with me after, whatever. Let's make it official. Let's proclaim to the Lord that I am yours and you are mine, and I want to live in that covenant relationship that counts on your promises, that counts on your relationship with me, that counts on your love and your compassion. Thank you for tuning in to our message podcast here at Peninsula Covenant Church. We would love the opportunity to connect with you more. We are located in Redwood City, California, and you can find us online at wearepcc.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by simply searching for We Are PCC.